Good morning. It's good to be here once again on this chilly fall morning. This is the third week, my third uh, talk that I'm going to be presenting about life with the Holy Spirit and what that might look like in everyday practical terms in our lives. And um, I've ho I hope that those of you who have been tuning in online and those of you who have come in person have found uh, these talks helpful. I, I hope that you've been able to pick out some, some little uh, suggestions, some tips on how you can better uh, live a life that is open to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that lives within you. And um, <clears throat> in order to help you, I brought along a little gift. I, I mentioned this last week, but um, each one of you, I think we have enough. I, ha I wrote a book uh, a couple years ago. It's called, I'm No Superman, Holy Spirit Ministry for the Rest of Us. You see, I, there are, are too many Christians that feel that they're not good enough, or they're not, they don't know enough about the Bible, or they're too young in the Lord, they haven't been a Christian long enough, or they just, uh, they're too quiet and shy. All these reasons why we think that, you know, only the superstars get to experience and to move in the power of the Spirit. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit is a gift to every one of us by our Father in heaven. And so um, that's why I call it Holy Spirit ministry for the rest of us. Because most of us aren't superstars. We're ordinary people with ordinary struggles and ordinary doubts and ordinary you know, obstacles in our lives that we have to overcome every day, but the Holy Spirit is there for us. And so this book is, uh, is for you, okay? It's for people that are just coming to know the Holy Spirit in a personal way, and it's also good for those of us that have been in the faith for years and that just want more, okay? And uh, you'll recognize a couple of these talks in the chapters because I've been sharing some of this stuff that is written here. So each one of you take it. I hope that you, you find it helpful. Uh, if you do, pass it on to somebody else or recommend it to somebody. It's available on Amazon. Okay, so yeah. Um, and um, let me just say this other, th uh, one more thing. You know, it, it's taken me uh, years and years of developing the habits and the practices that uh, to be where I am today, being comfortable with the Holy Spirit in my everyday life, you know? But I needed, I needed help. Um, I would read my Bible, I would listen to sermons, but I needed coaching, I needed someone to, to explain these things to me. I needed someone to demonstrate some of these things to me, a model. You know, and so uh, um, 
that's a, a, one of the things that uh, my ministry, the main and plain, offers. And, and you know, we do coaching uh, groups on how to um, hear the voice of the Lord, how to discover your gift, uh, different things that you'll see in here. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, just go to Main and Plain, www.mainandplain.com, and you'll see all, the, all that is offered there. All right, enough of that. Today, I want to, talk, I want to continue to talk about this empowered life and, uh, and, and how it does work out in our everyday life. We've already seen how the Holy Spirit is the key to living a fruitful and fulfilling life. He's the main ingredient. See? And, you know, uh, I spoke about this, but uh, the Holy Spirit played a major role in Jesus' life. And since he's the prototype of, of what renewed humanity uh, uh, is all about, you know, we have to take a, a, a really focus in on the place that the Holy Spirit uh, plays, the role that he plays in this new way of being a human being that Jesus demonstrated. Now, embracing and accommodating the Spirit's central role in our lives is difficult for many Christians. And that's because of, uh, of the issue of control. If you hope to live a fruitful, constructive, uh, 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 spirit-empowered life, you're going to have to um, hand over control to, and let the Holy Spirit be in charge of your life. And this is often uh, easier said than done. It pushes all our anxiety buttons. If I hand over complete control of my life to the Spirit, what's going to happen to me? See, if I'm not in control, something bad will happen. Uh, you know, we, we demand uh, predictability in our lives. Uh, we are always looking for certainty in an uncertain world. And so this grasping for control is an impossibility. So what does it mean to live our lives under the control of the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul described what this looks like for us. And we find it in the fifth chapter of Galatians. Let me read it to you. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Live 
by the Spirit. Live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you, will, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousies, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. That's the phrase that we're going to really focus in on. How do we keep in step with the Spirit? Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Paul is describing something that each one of us in this room experience on a regular basis. And that is the internal power struggle that goes on within us, in our souls. It's the struggle between two opposing forces. It's the tug of war that goes on between the flesh and now the Holy Spirit. And he's describing two radically different results. One result is dehumanizing and destructive. The other is life-giving and fruitful. Now, in order to understand this struggle, I want you to think about ballroom dancing. Anybody ever try ballroom dancing? Huh? Nobody? Oh, boy. Well, I have a confession to make. My wife always wanted to, do, to, to go to, to take ballroom, lesson, uh, ballroom dancing lessons. It took her years, she, but she finally wore me out and uh, convinced me that I, we should take lessons. So I wasn't going to go in, the, in a room with a bunch of people. I, we got private ballroom dancing lessons because I don't want to embarrass myself. And I'll tell you what, it was one of the hardest things I ever did. Now, I play golf, I play sports and everything, but the concentration and the, and the uh, coordination that it takes and just the physical state, we were wore out after our first try. But we got, you know, uh, I learned a lot. And I, in, in, in going through these lessons and learning the steps and what it took between me and my wife in order to do this together, I started thinking, you know, this is a lot like me and the Holy Spirit. You know? 
<clears throat> you know, it's ballroom dancing is all about trust, paying attention, cooperation, and keeping in, and the partners keeping in step with each other. Any resistance, you know, any non-cooperation, any power struggle in that dance ruins it, makes a mess of it, like the ugly mess that took place in my eighth grade class, gym class, between a guy named Harvey Press and myself. Back in junior high school, every Friday, they would, uh, there was, uh, you know, there was, during the week we had separate uh, gym classes for the, for the girls and the boys, right? But on Fridays, they brought them both together, both the boys and the girls together for social dancing. We learned the, you know, we learned the waltz and we learned, we're supposed to be learning the, the, the you know, foxtrot and all these ballroom dancing things, right? Well, they would line up, the boys on one side, the girls on the other, in alphabetical order. So I was always at the end, no, my last name is Terigiano, T, towards the end of the alphabet. I'm at the end of the line, and there was always more boys than girls. So when it came to the end of pairing off alphabetically, there was just me and Harvey Press, P, always stuck as partners. And I have to tell you, you know, 14-year-olds, we had a lot of ego. Who was going to lead? I'm not going to lead. You lead, you know. And we would, we would struggle, and we'd end up wrestling on the floor because we'd be fighting each other, you know. And we'd get kicked out of the class and end up at the principal's office every Friday. We were thrown out of the class. It was a mess. It was not dancing with the stars. Now, in contrast to that silly, stupid thing that used to go on in that gym every Friday, some theologians say that there's a beautiful, eternal dance going on all around us, even at this very moment. It's the eternal dance of life. A dance of love. The, 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 the word, the, the technical word that they use is perichoresis. It's the unending uh, flow of selfless giving and receiving continually going on in the Trinity. A dance that exudes a dynamic, creative, transformative life energy so powerful that it spun creation into existence. I imagine in my own mind the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit 
having a great time spinning and whirling in a beautiful wild dance of love and trust until they are so in unified that they are one, literally, sustaining all existence. It's a dance that we actually observe in the Gospels. It's, it, it's the life that Jesus lived here on earth as he participated in that dance. The essence of Jesus' earthly life was one of total cooperation, total surrender, a complete submission to the dance. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everything he did, teaching, healing, casting out demons, calming storms, uh, even dying on the cross and resurrecting from the dead. He did in cooperation and dependence on the Father and the Holy Spirit. It was, it was all by the power of the Spirit flowing through his humanity in perfect step with his father. I can only do what I see the father doing. I only, my teaching is not my own. It's what I get from the father. He over and over and over again described how he was in sync in the dance. Now, here's the thing. You and I have been invited into that dance in our everyday lives. John 14. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them, those that keep in step, those that cooperate, are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. The dance starts. And I will love them. The dance continues. And reveal myself to each one of them. The triune God wants us as his dance partners. In this dance, the spirit leads. We relinquish control and follow. We're not like me and Harvey Press, struggling to lead, making a mess. We are to let him lead the dance. We follow him. See, just the way Jesus did. And when we cooperate and stay in step 
as Paul was talking about here in Galatians, there's a beautiful movement, a life-giving movement that we experience with him. It's the abundant life, the fruitful life that Jesus promised us. The life that Jesus himself lived and experienced. I can see already in in some of your eyes, it's going tilt, tilt. This is, this is uh, so difficult, I can't, you know, it's out of my reach. See, what the problem is, is our, our sinful natures make us awful dancers. See? Our self-willed natures. See? We need the Spirit to teach us how to dance. Sin. And when I say sin, I'm saying capital S, sin. It's that, that thing that's in all of us still, that, that pull towards autonomy. Uh, autom- <clears throat> autonomy. Uh, that pull towards self-idolatry. Uh, self-sufficiency. That we struggle has made us control freaks. It's it's given us two left feet. We can't dance. We need the the Spirit to teach us. Now, I made an important discovery along the way that I want to share with you about this. Keeping in step with the Spirit is more about not doing than doing. That's a, again, it's a kingdom paradox. It's a matter of allowing myself to be overtaken by him. More than me working really hard to pursue him. It's about it's, 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 <clears throat> it's about my surrender. Paul talked about being filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. That word filled in the Greek actually has the connotation. I used to think filled, I get more and more, and I get stronger, I just well, I want to get strong. I, uh, just fill me up with the Spirit. What it actually means, though, is... It's a uh, relinquishing control. It's about being filled is a, is a matter of coming under the control of another, under the influence. Live constantly under the influence, under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what that little phrase, filled, means. And so <clears throat> it's about him getting more of me rather than me getting more of him, in, a, in essence. It's a control issue. It's a matter of letting go 
letting go of self-reliance. It's a matter of living in dependence upon Him. It's the opposite of how I've been programmed, how I have been taught. Growing up means you become more and more independent. Growing up means you, be, you live more and more in control of yourself. Isn't that right? It's programmed into us. Now we're being told to be like little children. Trusting. Open. <laughs> this is hard for us. It's like the time I tried water skiing. Now, anybody tried water skiing here? Never. Let me tell you. It's not as easy as it looks. I didn't do much water skiing in the Bronx, but when I went to college in Missouri, we made friends, my wife and I made friends with with some folks that had a boat and they water skied. So they invited us to go for a day at the lake water skiing. I said, how, and they got up back there and they're skiing around and I'm looking at them and I'm saying, how hard can this be? So, I strap on the, the skis, put my vest on, you know, my life preserver, grab a hold of the, the ropes. I'm in the water waiting for the, the boat to rev up. They look out, you ready? Yeah, I'm in the water, waiting, waiting. And they rev the engines and I grab a hold. I could, you know, and I, my, I use all my strength to pull myself up, you know, as the, as the engine, as the boat takes off. Bad move. I was like a rag doll being tossed back all over the, you know, all over the water. It was ugly, and I wouldn't let go. That was even worse. And so I'm getting tossed back. It was, and so they saw, and they, I tried again. Same results. I tried it again. Now I'm getting wore out. My arms are numb from trying to do this thing get up on the water. Finally, I am so wore out, I could bar- barely hold on to the, 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 the line. And they do it again. Now, I have no strength in my shoulders or my arms. They're numb. And suddenly, because I'm just laying back. I'm, I'm on top of the water. I'm not doing anything. I'm letting the boat. I'm letting the skis. I'm letting the water do the work. I'm just going along for the ride. I'm skiing. And I'm not working at it. I'm letting the boat and the water do their job and the skis. The more I try to stay on top of the water by muscling my way through, the worse it would get. It wasn't until I relaxed and died to self-effort and accepted, yielded to the influence, the power, control of the boat and the water that I actually skied on top of the water. In the same way, The more my flesh insists on being in charge and tries to make, and I try to make things happen, even trying to be good, even trying to overcome my, my, 
my flesh and my sins on my own, I fail. The more I try to save and secure myself, the more out of sync with God my life becomes. I'm trying to lead the dance. And I'm stepping all over the Holy Spirit's feet. If I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit, I have to quietly accept his control over my life. And that's a daily thing. That's actually a moment-by-moment thing. I could start off the day saying, I'm with you, Lord. I'm there. By lunchtime, I'm doing my own thing. I have to constantly be reminded of this stuff. This is a moment-by-moment, day-by-day thing. I have to quietly accept the control of the Spirit rather than me doing my own thing, rather than insisting on my own way all the time. You know, there's a lot of things in God's will, in His Word, that are hard that I don't like. The whole thing about turning the other cheek, who in this room loves that? How about giving generously to people that don't deserve it? I'm a New Yorker, I don't care. I think everybody's scamming me, (laughs) right? There's lots of things in the Word that don't feel right, that don't feel good, but I am serving the Lord. He's the boss. I got to let go. But when I do, something beautiful happens. There's a movement. There's There's a freedom. There's a peace. There's a joy that I never get any other way. I have to let go and let God do something for me. I have to let his spirit lead the dance. I have to, <clears throat> and, and, and this, this, is, this type of, uh, of submission is what some call active passivity. Active passivity. Those two words don't belong side by side. Active passivity. It sounds lazy and weak, but it's not. You see? It's one, like I said, it's that kingdom paradox. Similar to when I'm weak, I'm strong. Remember Paul saying that? It's passive because it's all about me yielding my will and trusting. It's active because I do have a part to play in this. I have to make, it requires a moral effort on my part to say yes, to choose, to make a decision. I am not a robot. I have to decide to trust. I have to decide to relinquish control even when it's hard. Mary, the mother of Jesus, exercised active passivity when she said, she told the angel, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. This sounds like an impossibility, but, and it's going to get me in a lot of trouble here, but nevertheless, have your way. That's what she was doing. 
You know, gee, the best example of this was in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, our Lord. If there is any way of getting through this thing without me having to face the crucifixion, if there's any of this cup, let this cup pass me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. That was active passivity. He made a decision. And we have to make a decision. Are we going to obey? Are we going to trust day by day, moment by moment? As I've been talking this morning, some of you have been feeling a strange warmth, an encouragement, like, wow, yeah, yes, I want that. You know, uh, even the feeling of hopefulness that, wow, I can, I can have this kind of life. I can do this. That's the heavenly music playing right now in your heart. That's the spirit inviting you to step onto the dance floor with him. Until now, maybe you've been too uninterested or maybe too shy or too afraid maybe misinformed, but nevertheless, the Spirit is calling, come, come on, dance with me. Will you hand over control to him? And let him lead the dance so that you can live a Spirit-filled, a Spirit-influenced life. It's your decision. It's a free gift that he's offering. He's offering you dance lessons. Don't be stubborn like I was. There's a, there's a beautiful, quiet, peaceful spirit resting on us right now. Can you sense that? That's his presence. It's his invitation to surrender control. And again, learn, learn. It's not, you're not going to get this. Oh, you'll be. It's a daily, daily life of be, paying attention, reminding yourself, okay, okay, yes, yes. Now I have to, in this situation, I have to yield. In this moment, I have to hand over and trust God. It's just that kind of a thing. You know, learning how to do that. So I'd like, to, I'd like to pray for you guys today. All right? And, um, yeah, come on up, Peter. We're going to worship. I'm going to ask you to, to, let's just stand, okay? I know some of you are holding children. Just hold them. It's okay. The Holy Spirit loves little children. Okay? Stand. And I'm going to invite, this, you know, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is. That wasn't just a figure of speech or some kind of thing that I made up about uh, the Holy Spirit inviting you to be his dance partner. I believe that's what he wants. And so 
we're gonna, I'm going to invite him to come. Do your best. Just do your best in the next few moments to focus on Jesus loving you, the Father loving you, loving you. He wouldn't do anything to you that would hurt you. And just say, you know, the best you can, Lord, if this is the way you want me to live, I'll do my best to trust you and to let you be the leader, to walk in step with you. I'll do my best. And then if you'll allow me, as we'll just worship, I'm going to come and I'm just going to just bless you. Okay, I, I felt like the Lord was saying to, you know, come and just gently bless, bless his work over your lives. So I'm going to come to you. You just stay where you are. I, I, and I, I don't want to make you nervous or anything. I want you to relax. But I believe something happens when we pray. And I, and, um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to help encourage each one of you to trust him more with your everyday lives. Watch what happens. Watch what happens to your everyday ordinary lives. It becomes an adventure with him. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for your gift, your promised gift of the Holy Spirit who has made his home within us. We are now unbelievable as it seems. Each one of us, temples of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, help us to make more room in our lives for you to live and lead this dance of life with us. Come now, Holy Spirit, and fill us in a fresh, new way this morning. I ask this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Come, Holy Spirit.